Hello, and thank you for joining us on Conquering Chaos and Mayhem. I'm today's moderator, Brett Glover, and it's my pleasure to introduce the host of Conquering Chaos and Mayhem, Daryl Cully. Daryl, how are you holding up today? Awesome, Brett. How are you? I'm fantastic, as always. Thank you. Now, we've got another great guest lined up for you today, Daryl, an expert in threat management, emergency management analysis, weapons trainer, and consultant, Dan Everton. Welcome to Conquering Chaos and Mayhem. Thanks for having me. All right, Dan, Daryl's chomping at the bit to pick your brain, so I'm just going to sit back and enjoy this conversation. Daryl, it's all yours. First of all, excited to, to have you join us. Uh, one of your, your expertises is uh, training and exercises for emergency operation centers, emergency command groups. Um, and uh, I know you've already done several this year, Uh Several more uh, lined up for the fall as there, there's always a rush as municipalities um, try to get in their annual exercises at the end of the year. What has been one of the, the themes this year? What have municipalities been looking for? You know, every year, obviously, themes vary with what's, with what's going on in the environment. Um, but what do you see this year happening? Uh, this year, there's actually a surprising rise in threat and ransomware exercises. In the past, as we've all known for this field, the staple is natural disasters, winter storms, etc., hazmat exercises. But now we're seeing a lot more of cyber exercises and having the IT department lead in the room. And all eyes go on the department lead of IT as opposed to all eyes going on the fire chief. So it's a very different dynamic in the room. What's causing that? What's bringing this this focus on uh, about cyber attacks? Well, I think with the rise of technology and our interconnectivity and our capabilities are on the rise, but we also need to uh, increase that capability for being resistant and resilient against the breaches in technology. As we all know, with technology, you know, there's the the power to build and the power to break at the same time. So. It, it puts the IT lead in the limelight, which is kind of strange for them. Not all of them, but some uh, find it a bit difficult being at center stage to answer all the questions. They, they've never been involved in, you know, the emergency control group often um, in the past. Uh, some municipalities do. Uh, some organizations do. I know, um, you know, you've been doing exercises with uh, universities and and other groups as well. Um, so the IT all of a sudden is being brought into this um, into this group because they are such a, a key player um, in how things run in day to day operations. That's right. As the the running joke goes, is everyone relies on IT, but IT doesn't rely on anybody. So they're the cornerstone of a lot of organizations. And it's until the technology goes down, they're not as perceived as, as needed as well as, as often as they actually need to be from, from the standpoint. Yes, I, I um, was involved in a, an exercise with the, um, the president and CEO and um, vice presidents of a major um well, national insurance company and the, the president of the insurance company had actually asked that the exercise be based on uh, a cyber attack, a ransomware attack. And 
the IT people were very nervous. They'd never been before this group before. Of course, they had a chief technical officer, technology officer, um, who did all their representation before them. But now, you know, on the ground, uh, IT managers and, and that were being called in in front of this group um, to respond to some very challenging questions, which they don't usually get uh, in front of them. Mm-hmm. So Dan has has dealt with everything from, um, oh, uh, <laughs> dealing with not just municipalities and universities and 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 uh, hospitals and things, but um, you've recently wrote uh, an emergency plan for Stanley Park in Vancouver, and and your um, um, you know water treatment centers with potential releases of things like chlorine and and that sort of thing. Um, Emergency management's got such a broad range of risks. Um, What are some of the other risks that, uh, um, other than, like you mentioned, that the traditional natural disasters or transportation accidents, what are some of the other risks that uh, um, we're ending up taking a, a close look at? Uh, a little bit more on the hazmat release have been coming up as well. So then you're getting expertise in GIS coming in and plume modeling and et cetera, and uh, different fire departments bringing um, their skills to bear and to the forefront to actually go through their actual uh, real life experience dealing with, with um, chemical plumes, et cetera, and figuring out what that specific um hazard is going to cause in terms of evacuation or shelter in place, et cetera. So we're bringing in different groups to tackle different problems. But as we all know, it comes down to some main management roles and then just applying them with what I call like an emergency hat. Because what happens is you get someone in the EOC, they've done this before in their regular job, but they've never had the role of an emergency lead. And yet that kind of does a pattern interrupt, so to speak, and you have to kind of remind them to say, you've done this before, just make it smaller and apply it to your regular world. Now bring it back in. And then suddenly, you know, uh, all these answers come up to and all these solutions come up in the UC because they're applying it to something they've done before. You know, we're taking things that are very, people have become very uh, accustomed to. And I'll use the water treatment plant as an example there, right? Where every municipality's got one and um, you know, issues are far and few between, but if, and when they happen, the the consequences can be significant. Yes. And the water treatment plant specifically is one that we forget. We think about nuclear, we think about uh, hospitals and cyber and everything, but, and even the railways with the hazmat transportation, but the water treatment plant have so much, capacity and capability for danger and hazard and we kind of forget about it we think oh we're just filtering the water it's fine but there's so many high-end chemicals there and the threat for an evacuation or shelter in place is is on the brink at all times and most of the day-to-day citizens residents don't really realize that and we get into this habit um whether you're a municipality whether you're a an educational institution, um, whether you're a factory, of just always reassuring people everything's safe. 
And so when we continue to do that, we don't always take a look at the risks. That's very true. And it's, it's the almost going back to the phrase, when someone asks you how you're doing, you say, I'm all good, but you're never really all good. And it's kind of, um, blanketing that response and because we don't want to say the word risk and hazard on the mic but we also have to say you know there's there's a calculated risk there however we have these um solutions in place um to in escalation of um utilization to to solve that problem but by just saying we're all good and nothing's ever going to happen it really it puts everyone in that really safe mindset, but then now their awareness has gone down because they're not anticipating risk. So it's finding that balance. And, and I find, um, I, and maybe you do as well, people have short memories. And so every, you know, where we live or where I live, you know, every, every spring and every fall, we get at least one major storm. You know, um, and you'll hear people talk about it as if, wow, this was the the biggest storm I've ever seen. And yet, if you go back two, three years, you'll find, you know, that that's actually happened or, or, you know, you hear these, oh, the temperature records have been broken. And I was just reading, you know, one of the worst uh, summers ever on, on record for, um, the city of New York City, uh, temperature-wise, was in 1896. So, so we have these these short-term memories. We we're not, and so we think it's unique because mm-hmm. we don't remember what's happened in the past. Mm-hmm. So we we have on listening to our podcast, we get a lot of um, emergency managers, fire chiefs, um, and a lot of uh, fire chiefs play the role of emergency manager or or emergency managements within their department. Um, what are, um, what's a, a key takeaway um, when it comes to exercises um, that you want them to to know that they should keep in mind? Well, I think one of the big key takeaways for exercise for municipalities is that if you, when you start with familiar with your staff, then it allows them to kind of take off that pressure that they they sometimes have when they walk into an EOC. They may be even more comfortable during a live event versus an exercise because the live event has more real-time data coming in that they can handle. Whereas an exercise, there are inputs that may not be able to outrun um, everyone's skill sets. So when I look at that, you start with something very familiar it takes the pressure off. They're more at ease. And then you add in a little bit more unfamiliarity and, and then bring it back to the familiar. So it's almost similar to that um, hamburger idea where you have a positive comment, a constructive criticism, and then a positive at the end. So you almost need to put that all together. And then once you do that, you're drawing on the staff's strengths of what they've already done. So now they've already got almost like a small win or a stronger sense of confidence going into it. And then once we get midway through the exercise, then we can bring in some unfamiliarity and they say, well, we've already done this. We can bring these skills to bear. And and at the end of the day, although 
you know, in an exercise, you've also got that added pressure of people watching, your, your observers, your assessors, um, uh, your controllers. You've, you've got that added pressure. But at the end of the day, the lessons that come back are just as important as the exercise it was, right? And ensuring that you have follow through with it. I agree. And the follow through is the big thing and those lessons, because at the end of the day, when we're doing training and exercises, we always say we have to test the plan, not the people. But we know that that's kind of a, a statement we make, but we really still need to test the people to a point. It's just that we need to test them still in that safe manner, because as adults, we don't tend to to take that pressure the same way. So testing them to see where they fit in. So for instance, if you take someone that is taking the operations chief role, they've done operations in their day-to-day job, but when they put on that hat of operations lead, it kind of short circuits them. So by reassuring what they're doing and kind of applying to the day-to-day role, we'll get some strengths, but it also gets some lessons learned. And a lot of the training exercises that I've facilitated, even though they're IMS trained, we need to kind of go back to the basic building blocks and test out, uh, you know, just an incident brief documentation and uh, incident action planning, et cetera, those kinds of things. Or even so much as just putting the organizational chart that's blank on the wall and get them to walk up and then sign their name on it. And that kind of puts ownership back on them to say, oh, I'm the planning chief, introducing each other, et cetera. And then we go into the lessons learned side is how can we do this better? Because that's what the name of the game is, because that's going to keep it fresh as well as, as we progress during the exercises, because you, you want some semblance of mistakes and failure, not a total failure, but you need to have something there so that there's growth. So from my perspective, when someone says they want it perfect, well, perfection is the end of growth. And as humans, we're never going to stop growing. Therefore, we can never be perfect. So you need to keep it a little bit out of reach. And as we've all done playing games and watched familiar shows, at a certain point, it gets boring because there's nothing new there. So then when it gets boring, the brain's going to shut off or we're going to start digging holes. So in a sense, when I do the training and exercises, sometimes I'll put limited information to the group. And they're not used to that because they're waiting. Well, we need more information. Well, what what happens if this is all you have? What will you do? Because if we look at it from the example of media, they're not afraid of taking a very little bit of information and just expanding on that information. They say, well, we will make this work. So municipalities also need to do that as well and say, well, we have these four pieces of information. What are our next steps based on our roles? And then we put this into the lessons learned. How can we expand on the next exercise to increase those capabilities? And and, um, you bring up some awesome points. And sometimes we change the exercises year to year because we want something new and different or or Mm -hmm. to, to keep that variety up. But we had one city that did the exact same exercise two years in a row because they wanted to demonstrate or to see if they learned their lessons from the the year before. So they did the exact same exercise, but they brought in more more partners 
For example, they brought in their the university and they brought in the neighboring municipalities to participate. But it was, they wanted to, to know that they had actually learned the lessons, not just we got the checklist. Yeah, this is what we need to do, but we actually moved forward on those lessons. Mm -hmm. And that brings up an excellent point because one of the, the recent ones that, that I worked on was there was five groups that were all connected with, with one group specifically, but that was an evolution over five days. Each day I went back to the, the drawing board to evolve the exercise to fit a into the next group's needs, but also to challenge them more. And it peaked on the Friday because I started on Monday and went straight through five days. And by the Friday, because the IT representative was the same Monday to Friday, his evolution was was very much showcased there as well. And we kind of had the banter going back and forth and kind of absorb each other's jokes and, and uh, groaners and everything that we would say, and we would adjust that. And then I even changed some of the endings at the end without him knowing because he was so used to thinking that it was going to be a certain way. And then I adjusted it a little bit and that kind of woke him up a little bit on the Friday. But it was an excellent example of moving forward even within a week. So we can evolve even in that short time. And you bring on a really good point in that um you know, often we want to do an exercise and have it done in one day or in, you know, an afternoon or something. Um, but when we worked, for example, with the, uh, a major city, um, we ran the exercise over three days. And the, the first day, it was a tornado incident. The first day was a tornado hitting the city. The second day was focused on the evacuation and containment of the area that had been hit, the residential area. And the third day was, how do we actually recover from this? Because so many exercises are only based on that initial response, uh, that we lose sight of the fact that, you know, a disaster hits, but it, it can last days and weeks and months of recovery. And this municipality really had the forethought to say, we're going to take the exercise and move it through three days and focus on a different stage at each time. So there's, there's lots of learning opportunities through what you do and, and how you bring that to, um, to clients. Yes. And that's a great point on the recovery, because again, that's, that's lost even the mitigation and prevention side of things because we all uh, look on the news and we'll say well there's so many fatalities injuries from a winter storm but they won't say you know the city of such and such did all these mitigation efforts which reduced that number by 60 percent because it's hard to quantify our preparedness our prevention or mitigation i mean we may not be able to quantify it but we could still showcase the programs that are in place that minimize those risks and those casualties and as much as it may be uh, watching paint dry to do documentation during an exercise that's still a necessary portion because that's what you're going to uh, deal with after the fact if you have to go behind a, in front of an inquisition to to deal with what did you cover off who takes ownership of this incident 
And even in the exercise, it's, it's hard to take ownership of the incident because they may not be reporting to the same person in EOC as they do in their day-to-day. So they don't want to rock the boat. Oh, I could carry on. I know you certainly could carry on with this topic forever. Um, but of course, in the podcast, we've got limited time. Um, so looking forward to having you uh, come back in the future. Um, if anyone is again, looking for um, for information on exercises or um, emergency management training, uh, of course, Dan has also got uh, um, some real expertise in security, which is a, an area we haven't touched on. Um, and, um, um, you know, if you're looking forward to uh, or want to get in touch with Dan, give us a call, send us an email, and uh, we'll facilitate that. But thanks for joining us this morning, Dan. Thank you for the time. It was great talking to you again. Well, Dan, I feel like we're definitely going to be seeing you again on Conquering Chaos and Mayhem in the near future. And I'd like to echo Daryl's thanks. We appreciate your time today. And on behalf of Daryl Cully, I'd like to thank our audience for listening to Conquering Chaos and Mayhem. We'll see you next time.